0: Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. It is a delight to see each of each one of you here on this third Sunday after Pentecost. We have several announcements this morning. First of all, next Sunday is Father's Day and we will be sharing a video presentation. So if you have a picture of of your children uh, together with their dad or or you with your dad, if you will submit those for that video presentation, we would appreciate that. It is also graduate recognition Sunday, and we will be recognizing our high school and our college graduates. Vacation Bible School is coming up. It starts on July 25th and runs until Thursday, Sunday to Thursday. If you would like to register, there are paper registration forms outside of Karen's office on the table. Uh, You can also register online. If you would like a copy of the most recent Upper Room, they just came in. They are available in the narthex on your way out, and I hope that you will take one. They are wonderful devotional resources. And finally, today we have a special event coming up. And our hospitality chair, Nancy Bryant, has an announcement to share with us about it. Good morning. I would Good morning. like to remind everyone of the picnic today, 5 o'clock, Jack Dalton Park off of King's Mountain Road. Uh, we will provide the soft drinks and the water. You bring your food and your chairs and your utensils and come and socialize and have a good time. And we've got some surprises. So I hope everyone will come this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Please stand for the call to worship. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds on earth. It grows up and becomes the greatest of shrubs and the birds of the air make nests in its shade. Give thanks to God whose promised rain is coming. Thanks be to God. Our opening hymn is the hymn of promise found in your red hymnals on page 707. be seated. Let us unite our hearts and voices in our opening prayer. God, you are the gardener of all creation. You planted this world with the seeds of your love and grow them with your faithfulness. We are your harvest. We find our meaning and sustenance in you. May our minds listen to you calling. May our hearts be attuned to your will. May our feet follow you in the world. Through Jesus, the word become flesh. Amen. I would like to ask for the attention of the children this morning for children's time. This morning in the bulletins, there are little little bags full of mustard seeds, you didn't get a bulletin, the grown-ups you came with probably have one. So today we get to hear a parable that Jesus tells about mustard seeds. You can see how tiny they are. They are tiny, tiny little seeds, but they grow up into shrubs that are 10 feet high and and full and and just make wonderful nesting areas for birds. Well, (laughs) It's kind of amazing that a small seed can yield such a a big shrub. I looked up apples this week. Um, Did you know that an apple maybe that has five seeds in it, if you plant those five seeds and five apple trees grow from those five seeds, that apple trees produce 150 to 300 apples a year, And they do that every year for about 50 years. That means that five apple trees can yield between 37,500 apples and 75,000 apples. That is a lot of apples. Well, let's remember something else. Jesus had how many disciples? He started out with none, he started out with zero. And then one day he was walking along the the sea and he called Peter and Andrew and then he called James and John. And then he ends up with 12 disciples. That's not a lot of people. Look around you, there's more than 12 people here. 12 people is not a lot of people, but, but, but now Jesus has followers all over the entire world because of those 12 followers. Well, you and I are followers of Jesus too. And that's a pretty amazing thing. We may think we're only one small congregation, but Jesus started out with 12. So one congregation, one person can do big things. And that is because it's not always up to us. God is, is responsible for growing our efforts so that what starts out small can, can get really, really big. Now, one of the things that I hope happens this fall is I hope that we are gonna be able to do Rise Against Hunger, where we get together and we package thousands and thousands of relief meals. But what I'm hoping is to have Ray Buchanan come and talk with us. Ray Buchanan is a a pastor. He's now retired and he lives in North Carolina, but he started out as a Virginia Conference pastor. And he and one of his friends were assigned to parishes right out of seminary on the Eastern shore of Virginia. And one day they were watching a farmer plow under sweet potatoes. And they asked the farmer about it and they said, why are you plowing those under? They, they look okay. And the farmer said, well, they're, they're either smaller than they're supposed to be or they're a little bit blemished. And Ray said, well, can you still eat them? And the farmer said, well, of course, but it would be hard to sell them. So. He asked, Ray asked if they could glean them, meaning could they pick up the the blemished and small sweet potatoes and bring them to a food bank? Well, that very first year, they gleaned 6 million pounds of sweet potatoes. And after that, instead of serving their their churches, they were appointed to start a new ministry called the Society of St. Andrew which does incredible amounts of gleaning and provides fresh produce for lots of the food banks along the East Coast. And 22 years after that, after learning all kinds of things about about how to help hungry people, Ray started the Rise Against Hunger. It was first called Stop Hunger Now, but he started Rise Against Hunger, where he got other organizations, churches and community organizations, to package these relief meals that contain rice and dehydrated vegetables, which is the vegetables without the water, the water taken out of them, and protein packets and and herbs so that it tastes good And, and to put these together so that they could provide thousands of meals at a time for people, mostly school children in parts of the world where children are sent to school so that they can eat So now, Rise Against Hunger, or Stop Hunger Now, as it used to be known, has provided millions, millions and millions and millions of meals to hungry people around the world. And that all started because Ray Buchanan and one of his friends raised their hand. They didn't say, well, I'm just one person. We're just two people. We can't really make much of a difference. They raised their hand, and they made a huge difference. And I'm hoping that we're going to get to have Ray Buchanan with us to preach and to talk about that journey. He really should receive a Nobel Prize. He's really just an extraordinary human being, but he's still that humble guy who just raised his hand and said, I'll I'll do what I can. That's what we're called to do. That's what this parable is about. Raise your hand, do what you can, and let God take care of making it big like a small mustard seed makes a big plant. Thank you for your time and attention. I'll see you next week. As we prepare to receive God's word, will you pray with me? We are waiting, O God, to hear your word for in your word is our hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we hear your voice and be attentive to what you will say to us today. In the name of Christ, we ask this and all things. Amen. Our New Testament lesson this morning is found in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, beginning with the sixth verse. So we are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others but we ourselves are well known to God. And I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. We are not commanding ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you for the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, amen. Will you please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the fourth chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 26th verse. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. When the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today we have two parables from Mark's gospel. We're told that Jesus tells a whole bunch more, but they're not all recorded. The writer Frederick Beekner defines a parable as a small story with a large point. Parables, I think, they find us in one place and they leave us in another. Jesus told a lot of them. He told the parable of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the weeds and the tares, the parable of the lost coin. And all of these parables were inhabited with people that the original hearers knew or knew about impoverished widows, shepherds with lost sheep, priests and Levites who were officious, but perhaps not compassionate. Sometimes parables contain situations that were relatable to the first hearers, family disagreements, farm stories, garden imagery. For us, these situations and people may not be immediately relatable, There are very few of us who know shepherds or who live on farms. I've never actually seen a mustard seed grow into a large plant. And if I had to draw a picture of a tear, I'd pretty much be out of luck. I know some priests, but no Levites or Pharisees. Well, today, as I said to the children, there's a small bag of mustard seeds attached to your bulletin just so you can see how big they are so that you'll have a point of reference. You can also plant them if you like to see how big the shrub grows. Jesus was trying to make a point that things that start small don't necessarily stay that way. Encouragement to us when we feel like we are not contributing or able to contribute in big ways. God can take a little and make a lot out of our efforts and abilities. When my nephew was about five years old, he saw the movie The Princess Bride and learned the word inconceivable from the Wallace Shawn character, and then he said it multiple times every single day. Well, Jesus is trying to get his original hearers to think the same thing, that that it's inconceivable that something small can yield something so big because he likens it to the kingdom of God. Today's gospel lesson from Mark, in a way is difficult to preach on because the meaning of these parables about seeds and sowing seem kind of self-evident. Tiny mustard seeds do grow into large bushes. Great things can spring from small beginnings like a single word that inspires a great act or Ray Buchanan raising his hand and ending up feeding millions of people, or a single sentence that changes our whole perspective. In almost every culture, there is a proverb that says the same thing. In English, it is, great oaks from little acorns grow. In Chinese, it is, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The Bible is full of stories that make the same point. The tiny band of people fleeing from slavery in Egypt become a great nation. The young shepherd boy, David, grows up to be a mighty king. Now, sometimes the significance of Jesus' words is subtle and complex, but here in these verses from Mark's Gospel, Jesus' meaning seems sensible and clear and uncomplicated. Indeed, these seed parables are not really so much parables as they are proverbs, folk wisdom, single illustrations, simple illustrations of what people already know to be true. And so I began to wonder, if these are merely truisms, why did the writer of Mark's gospel even bother with them. As a general rule, most of Jesus' parables actually defy common sense rather than affirm it. I mean, it makes really good sense for a stranger on a dangerous road to keep walking and not stop to help an injured man. But not in God's kingdom, Jesus says. It makes good sense for a shepherd who has lost one of his hundred sheep to take special care of the 99 and not go chasing after the single one that gets lost. Not in God's kingdom, Jesus says. It makes good sense for a father to make his prodigal son pay for his mistake and straighten up and earn his way and not be throwing a party for him. That's just rewarding bad behavior. Not in God's kingdom, Jesus says. It is those unexpected twists of Jesus' parables that make them so penetrating and so challenging and so mysterious. But these seed parables seem to be in a different kind of category. They seem to simply be a matter of common sense. And yet, to people who first heard them, to people in an oppressed situation, Common sense is sometimes more difficult to accept than great and compelling change. We have to remember the early church to whom Mark was writing his gospel was afflicted and persecuted and anxious. They were ready and willing to believe that God's kingdom was going to turn everything upside down in an absolutely significant and and, and splashy way that it would defy logic, that it would shift the entire balance of power, that it would not simply be the same old, same old of common sense. The kingdom of God would be where the first would be last and the last would be first, where the poor and the mourners and the meek would find places of honor while the rich and powerful would be turned away with nothing. Not only were they willing and ready to believe these kinds of things, they were staking their very lives on them. So to believe that God's coming was going to happen in a slow, barely perceptible, unspectacular way, like seeds sprouting and plants growing, was simply hard to take. After all, Jesus had come, so So shouldn't the rule of God come for all the world as well, all at once, full blown, in living technicolor, complete and perfect? Well to those who are waiting desperately for God to make everything all right immediately, Jesus' seed parables do not make good sense at all. The kingdom of God should not come like an unhurried growing of a seed, but like an explosion that makes itself known with immediacy and power. So in a way, in these parables, Jesus is up to his same old tricks. He is saying once again that absolute expectations about how God works in the world have to be put aside. And he's not just offering a description here. He's also challenging his hearers. In both of today's parables, Jesus is talking about seeds, those which are planted by God, and those which we plant. Jesus is talking about the process of growth, a process that in some ways is deeply mysterious, and a process that in many ways is something that we can affect, sometimes quite profoundly. But even more importantly, Jesus is talking about the way growth comes out of the interaction between God and human beings. His first parable assures his hearers, both then and now, that we can rest secure in the knowledge that when seeds are planted, growth will occur. And it will occur partially because of built-in processes and systems in the world. But it also reminds us that at the same time, we have a responsibility not only to help with the planting of the seeds, but with their nurturing so that they can that they could grow and, and come to their full and complete and built-in potential. Counting on the fact that God will always do God's part, if we do our part too, if we'll help spread the good news about God's kingdom, Jesus says that we can participate. We. We can participate in the bringing about of God's kingdom on earth. What a marvelous thing that is. This whole planting and nurturing business is how it all happens. The image of the shrub that is so large that birds can find shelter under its branches lifts this parable from garden satire to a vision of the end time. In the 17th chapter of Ezekiel, God plants a tiny cedar twig on a high mountain of Israel and that twig becomes large and a fruitful tree whose branches every bird will find shelter beneath. The birds there symbolize the nations that will flock to Israel's God on the glorious day of the Lord. This picture in both Ezekiel and in Mark envisions the day when God's sovereign and life-giving power will embrace the whole world, will be for all people. There's no easy take-home message for us in these parables. They really ask us to engage our imaginations, to follow the possibilities that we distinguish between a world where everything is planned and linear and logical to one that is filled with mysteries and surprises into which a sovereign God invites us. The good news is that business as usual can't last forever. There's also a waiting time, much like that between when the seed is planted and the shrub grows to its full size. To those earliest followers of Jesus who had waited and waited and waited for the Messiah, and who saw in Jesus the fulfillment of their fondest hopes, this must have been deeply disappointing. And for those in later generations who must, in Paul's words, walk by faith, not by sight, the seed parable sheds some light in the midst of our deep nights of frustration when we understand nothing for sure. It gives us some hope that God is still in charge and we will simply have to wait for the plants to grow to their full size. It tells us that we, too, are still waiting for God, still waiting for the kingdom of peace and justice, but going about the business of planting mustard seeds and praying that God will bring the harvest. It is a promise, and it is a challenge. Today, we get the joy of being able to live fully, into both. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Loving and eternal God, there are times when we feel overwhelmed with grief and the burdens of the world, and we think that we are living in a Good Friday world. We have only to hear about mass shootings in various places. Places in our country this week or to think about the grief in our Martinsville community at the loss of of giants in our community life who were friends with members of this congregation and whose losses today are deeply felt. We grieve sometimes so much that we cannot find words, but we know that you hear the sighs that are too great for words. The truth is that we don't live in a Good Friday world. We are Easter people living in an Easter world, and we proclaim that nothing separates us from your love, and we proclaim that you can make all things new. We are grateful for those possibilities and the ability to hold on to hope when what looks like a small seed, something that will grow to become nothing, grows instead to become a huge bush that will provide shelter and shade and sustenance for the animals of the earth. So when things look small or when we feel small, Remind us that the yield is not up to us, but to you. Help us to place our hearts, our hopes, our lives in you and to trust you for what you will do next. We pray for Jake as he begins his treatment this week. We thank you for the miracles with which you have already surrounded him. And we pray that you will be working through the hearts and hands and minds of his medical team as he begins this chapter. We place our faith in you. We place our trust in you. We place our hope in you as we seek to surround Jill and Jake with our concern and care and love. We pray for those in our community of faith who are recovering, We pray that you will grant to them your strength and your comfort as you knit them together in love. All these things we pray in your holy name, now as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Will you please stand and affirm your faith with the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Jesus Christ, Christ, his only Son, our Lord, Lord, who was was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us join together in our closing hymn for the fruits of this creation found on page 97 in your hymnals. forth in peace to love and to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do and the blessing of God Father Son and Holy Spirit be with you now and abide with you always amen please be seated for the postlude